It's Mac here, as always, with my good buddy, my good pal, my guy, Peter. Don't call me that again. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> not your guy, friend. I'm not your buddy, pal. Ooh, <laughs> I'm not your friend, pal. guy. I don't know how that goes. I'm old. My brain doesn't work anymore, Peter. You know that. Uh, so we opened with this album. <laughs> yeah, we are old. Anyway, how are you doing this fine evening, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing all right. Anything new? Uh, not a whole lot. No. Finally, uh, got into a book again. Started reading uh, Bruce Campbell's latest book. Stop reading, dude. Um, yeah, I've told you that. I know. It's rats, bad for rats you. my brain. Give you all the ideas in your <laughs> thought box. Exactly. I don't like it. <laughs> but no. Um, is it know. is it pretty good? Yeah, it's good. Uh, What's the name of it again? It was. Uh, this is Hail to the Chin. Ah, that's so, right. That's right. First one was if chins could kill. From, God, I looked it up, it was like from like 10, no, more years just than that ago. Because I was thinking, I haven't read that in a few years, and then, like, this first one was from forever ago. So this is kind of his um, further confessions of a B-movie actor. So it's talking about, now that he's older and kind of done-ish, <laughs> like, you know, what things does he look back on now? So anyway, it's, cool. it's pretty cool. He, I think he writes really well. Uh, I assume he writes it. Uh, I think he writes really well. He can make really mundane stories interesting because there's always an interesting piece to them. So he's got, you know, stories about even just crashing his car and stuff in there. <laughs> but, like, they're they're interesting. It's a right. good, I think it's a good read. Okay. I'm not finished with it yet, but I liked his other one. When ones, you see so. him in an interview, he's, he's, he's pretty animated and he's a pretty good storyteller. He seems so. like a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, he does actually seem like a pretty good. I like Bruce Campbell. Well, you got to think all the people in Hollywood and everything like that, especially for a B movie horror actor and stuff like that. Like, I don't think I've ever really heard anything overly negative about him, especially with all the stuff that's come out this year. But I mean, he seems like a decent person. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's becoming I, rarer and rarer, I guess. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, he, you know, still lives with his wife that he's been with for I forget how many years. Yeah, now, he so seems like real ever. down to earth. He seems so like he a does, cool guy. Yeah, he likes his fans. You know. Yeah. He appreciates so, his anyway. fans and, and his and his uh, stardom his that he has, but uh, that's cool. That's good. I don't have anything new to report on. Yeah. But I do have for you a question of the week. Time for the question of the week. And this week's question is this for you, Peter. It's uh, what show on Netflix did you binge watch embarrassingly fast? And while you think, I'm going to remind people, go ahead and hit up, hit us up with your answers at supermovieball on Twitter or supermovieball at gmall. 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 Gmall for all your gmall needs. That's where you buy Google <laughs> Supermovieball at gmail.com <laughs> with your answers. What show on Netflix did you binge watch embarrassingly fast? There's been a lot of them. I'm not embarrassed about the show, 
But if you've seen the show, it's a little embarrassing that I watched it as quick as I did. I could not wait for season two and then three of BoJack Horseman when it came back on. I love that show, but boy, is it a downer. And it's like a little embarrassing that I wanted to throw myself into that so quick and watch the show. I love the show. I think it's a great show. But like that was like, man, out of all the shows that are like fun or action packed or comedies or something that I spread out over a week or even four days. I think I watched both season when season two and then season three came out. I had them watching that day, I think. No way. I mean, I just sat down and watched them. OK. And they they bring you down. <laughs> They're good. But they put you in a funk. So, well, they do for me. That is incredibly so, fast. So I would say that would be embarrassingly fast only because I knew it would do that and I did it anyway. It's kind of like, like, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Like Cheetos, <laughs> eating Cheetos in sweatpants and you haven't left the house exactly. in four days. Yeah. That embarrassing. So that would be mine. What you got? Okay. So for me, it would probably be lost. Oh yeah. Because. How uh, quick did you watch Okay. That? There's a lot of seasons. I can't remember the time frame, but I finished all of the seasons, I, I want to say there's six seasons. Uh, six or seven, yeah, I can't remember now. My wife was like, you're obsessed. Yeah. You need to watch. There wasn't, if I had free time and I wasn't eating, pooping, <laughs> working, or doing chores, I was watching Lost. I was watching it on my phone. Yeah. And it's not that it was a bad show or I was. it was, or that it was so good. It was just that. I wanted to get it done. I wanted to see where it was going well, because drug, it was completed. They drug that one out so quick. They drug it so out. Long, but uh, yeah. I have to say, a little disappointing. It's exactly what I thought it was. And I'm like, this show should have <laughs> ended like three seasons ago. Yeah. But I consumed it way too fast to the point where my wife was like mad at me. Like, <laughs> I haven't spoken to you in like yeah. three days, but you've been well, in the house. Angle on it. Yeah, on the question. It was embarrassing. Yeah. I can't even, I wish I could tell you the time length, but that this has been a few, because I watched it probably just after the show ended yeah. and I didn't watch it from the beginning. So I okay. really consumed it. So this has been years ago now, yeah. but my wife was upset with me Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, just... I did binge that one on Netflix years after it ended. Okay. I, I mean, it's been years now since I watched it, but uh, I, I was in the early beta test of the Netflix streaming and that was one of their first shows they ended up putting on there. If yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. And I did binge the whole thing. You're right. But I, I mean, I think I still took three weeks, four weeks. Oh, uh, it was less than two weeks for me. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> A little quick, dude. <laughs> that's that's like six seasons with like twenty episodes. Oh, it, that's yeah, and they are hour long show. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm a bad person. That's and I should feel crazy. bad. That's I pretty crazy. Bad. I'd say that's a little more embarrassing. It's way more embarrassing because Bojack Hoseman, oh, Hoseman, Hoseman, Bo, Bojack Hoseman. He's the best. <laughs> no, Bojack Horseman is a better show than Lost. It's also shorter. Goodness, it's a better show. It's a better watch. Yeah. It's a better watch. Anyway, anyway, I think you got something for me, buddy. I do. I've got a little thing for you here. What's it called? I think it's going to be The Two Truths and One Lie. <gasps> Two Truths One Just call me a liar. Crazy thing is, it's true. All of it.
All right. So to go along with uh, just some, you know, the general B-movie atmosphere we have going here and be a little timely. I love it. Continue. We're, we're going with Tommy Wiseau. Oh. From The Room. Oh, hi, Peter. <laughs> so, number one. Okay. He funded The Room with leather jacket sales. Number two, he hates vampires. Number three, he drinks Red Bull while filming. Which one did I make up? Okay, first one is he funded, funded the, room the room by leather jacket, leather jacket sales. sales. Two is he hates vampires. Three, he drink re- he drink Red Bull on the set. Drinks Red Bull while filming. Oh, all, while filming, all the time. Uh, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead because Tommy is really weird. This is hard, and those are all really good. You're, you're really good at this. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> you're really good at this. I'm gonna go ahead and say that number one is true. He funded the film with sales of leather jackets. Uh, I'm also going to say that I'm going to say that number two is also true that he hates vampires, probably because he looks like a vampire and people probably say, you know what? You would be a really good vampire because he's got he's Eastern European. I'm assuming no one really knows. Polish, I hear. Okay, that's the rumor. He has long hair. He is as pale as they can get. He's white as a paper plate. In a snow snowstorm with a glass of milk on it. Wow, that's pretty white. That's pretty white. So he probably gets compared <laughs> to that. I'm probably wrong though. So he does love vampires. Oh, he loves vampires. Okay, so I'm wrong. That's yeah. the first one I got wrong. <laughs> He's a pretty out there guy, and those weren't easy ones. Those, those were, those weren't that was easy a stab ones. in the dark. So. I almost chose the Red Bull thing, but I thought he drank Gatorade all the time on set. Uh, I, I look. I pulled these from IMDb. I'm just telling people out there. I pulled these from IMDb. General trivia about people is all I'm doing. So I'm trying to make them easy because it might be something you've heard before. They have in there that he drinks Red Bull while he's filming. All right. So it's well, a pretty weird specific. It's thing. a weird specific thing. But anyway, I love Tommy Wiseau. If you haven't seen the room, you should probably check it out. It's the. <laughs> it's one. I won't say it's the best, but it's one of the best. So bad it's good movies. And speaking of so bad it's good, this actually leads into the movie we're going to be discussing today, which is an interesting experiment. We've seen the movie before. It's called Threat Level Midnight. But Peter and I watched an interesting cut. Uh, This cut of the film has a behind-the-scenes documentary screening of the film um, interlaced with the actual film. So basically it's kind of like a video commentary on the film. So you watch the film because it is a short film. It's, it's a, it's a short film and it's, it's probably like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes long, if that. And, uh, the documentary, uh, behind the scenes, it's basically, it's just the screening with the cast and the director of the film is intercut. So when you see a scene, it immediately gets commented on. Right afterwards, so it's kind of it's it's I don't know what do you think, Peter? It's an unusual way to watch a watch a movie. It is. It's a it was an interesting choice. Um, it was uh, yeah, I, I liked it, and I I think you said this before we started airing, but it was uh it was akin to listening to the audio track or the commentary track of a DVD or Blu-ray and then like, but actually like watching it. Yeah, exactly. Of just listening. Perfect. So, yeah. so don't know if I stole one of your things that you were going to no, say. No, not at all. I thought um, that, was a, that was a good analogy. No, that was a great analogy. Thank you for bringing that up. Before we get into it, I forgot we do have spoilers on this. So spew, if you could please do your thing. Warning, warning, spoiler alert. I am spoiler protection edict widget. 
horse pew for short. You have been warned about the delicious spoilers coming your way. So bask in spoiler country you have cluelessly wandered into, baby. Thank you, Spew. You're the best. <laughs> Saving us from those wicked evil spoilers. <laughs> Alright, so let's get into this. Again, like I said, this is documentary mixed in with the film. But the, the actual film itself is uh, Threat Level Midnight. You may have heard of it. You may have seen it before. It's a, it's a wonderful film and I can't wait talking about it. Just to give you a little background, I'm taking point on this one. I know Peter normally does it. So I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but it's hard for me to do that. This movie took 11 years to make. It's a pet project from a man, uh, I believe his name is Michael Scott. He's a paper salesman or something like that. Something like that, yeah. From Pennsylvania. Yep. Um, pet project kind of I can't remember. Too. I think it's I think it's Scranton, Pennsylvania is where they're at. I'm not real sure. Um, but this is his dream, and it's kind of beautiful that he like had this dream of making this film, and it took him over a decade to complete. Yep. And I just and and it's it. It's always respectable. We'll, we'll talk about it as the film goes on, but I think there's a lot to like here. I really, I really, really like that. And the funny part is, is that you know he took he, since he works in this office, he took a lot of people. Um, from his office where he manages uh, are in the film. Yeah, his co-workers so, and things. Yeah, yeah so if, if you've never seen the behind the scenes for this film, the screening takes place in an actual office in just a conference room. Yeah. So, because it's a short film, there's not a whole lot of people in the film. No. But everybody pretty much in the office was involved in the film, which is kind of, it makes it like a community thing. So it's yeah. kind of a wonderful yeah, cool. little thing to do. It's a passion project. Yeah, thing. it's a little yeah, passion project nice. for him. And he's super excited with it. But we get let's so let's get into the film. Peter, do you have something you wanted to say or okay? Let's get into the film, and of course, it has one of my favorite things of all time, which is the cold open. I'm so glad for that. I love a cold open, and it opens on a delivery man coming in to drop off a package, and he tries to kill what we find out is our hero, Scarn. Michael Scarn is, is our guy, but we're gonna call him Scarn, Scarn. Uh, because the director, Michael Scott, has the same name as his character. So we'll refer to the character as Scarn and Michael as the director actor. I gotta of comment the film. about that. You know, at any time an actor has to have his own name in the movie. It's he, because he couldn't answer to another name. <laughs> He's not smart enough to answer Sorry. to another I name. I think it's also the, a little bit of an ego thing. Throw I him think, under the bus. I think it's a little that. ego hey. thing. Like, he is Scar. He's yeah. not just Scar. You know, he's not just portraying that. That's he is Michael. Yeah. Michael is the hero of yeah. it. You know, and he... Be, yeah, so I think it's... it's the it's, A little bit of both. It's, I think it's a little bit yeah, of both right. there of yeah, there going yeah. on. But anyway, a, delivery come, a man comes in to drop off a package in an office, and uh, he pulls out a gun and tries to shoot Scarn. Scarn uh, dodges the bullets, even though they're fired in real close proximity. <laughs> fired in the same office. He's like, he's like a foot away. He's just dodging around. But our like, boy is just like dodging bullets like it's the Matrix. Like a <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, and he reach, reaches underneath his desk, and he's wielding two guns, and he just unloads on this guy. I mean, he really just goes to town on this delivery guy. In his office. In his office. It's crazy. And, like, bullets are flying everywhere, and he's just getting shot up, yeah. and the guy's dead. At the end of it, Scarn says, as he's standing over the guy's dead body, clean up on aisle five. But he's crying, too. You gotta note that. Yeah. You can tell he doesn't like what he just did. Yeah. So, so I, He's well, got dimension. So right did away. you have any insight on that? Because I'm like, what is that in reference to? Because I feel like that's in reference to something else. 
that's like completely out of nowhere. Is there another movie with Skarn? I have no that idea. That we don't know about? Because he's not in like a, a supermarket. So what's the point of him saying clean up on aisle five? He's yeah. in an office building. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. I guess that's his catchphrase. I guess that's his catchphrase. I mean, every good action star needs a catchphrase. I, well, you know what? I think there's worse ones out there. No, definitely. So anyway, we get a nice generic threat level midnight uh, title like screen. Like graphic, which I got to say, I, I just cut in real quick because it, like yeah. it, it looks like it was made in PowerPoint or something, <laughs> like some word art. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I love it because it's got an explosion <laughs> behind really it. It was good. cool. <laughs> so after the explosion, we get intercut with the do- documentary and we get Michael and he's talking about uh, he spent three years of writing, one year of shooting, four years of reshooting, and two <laughs> years of editing in order to complete this film. Which I just said it made 11 years to make, but that's what Michael says. He says it takes 11 years, but that adds up to 10 years. 3 plus 1 is 4. 4 plus 4 is 8. 2 plus 8 is 10. Yep. So that doesn't add up. So already... We, we got a feeling that this guy really doesn't know exactly what he's talking about. Oh, it's like he's so, stretching it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that he knows exactly what's t- uh, talking about. So uh, we lead right in to the continuing with the documentary p- portion of it. And I guess I, I'm assuming she's a receptionist. Her name is Aaron. She announces that the movie's going to is complete. And uh, if everybody wants to see it, which uh, she's she's really excited about it. Yeah. And and Michael seems pretty bashful about the film. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on that at all? Uh, she seems a little confused as to why he's being bashful about it. So I feel like he just talked her into coming and <laughs> announcing it. And I feel like she might be a little simple and didn't catch that maybe. Or... But she does seem confused like, oh, did you yeah. not want to do it? Then let's not do it. So then we get interviews with the cast, and they're really excited to see it because it took so long. And I guess there was a previous screening, a rough cut screening of the of the of the uh, film, and it didn't go so well. Um, a lot of people were laughing, and Michael seemed very upset with it, and he cut the screening short. Yeah, which was pretty pretty sad. So. Yeah, well, because they, they, they say they thought it was a comedy, and I guess he didn't appreciate people. He didn't appreciate it because he so. really takes this really yeah. sincere. And well, I don't know, I kind of put agree. Eleven years in it. He put eleven years, and he put his heart and soul in it. But I have to say, after yeah. seeing the final film, I kind of see where they're going, coming from with that. Yeah, I kind of feel they're like they're not wrong. They're not wrong at all. <laughs> so one of the cast members uh, who plays one of the hostages, her name's Pam, uh, tries to announce to everybody after Michael says he's going to go get the movie to screen it. Because they're screening it, like I said, in, a, in the conference room of an office. Um, you know, it's just a short film. It's, it's just made with a lot of love. So he's just not doing a real big thing. As she says, she kind of irritates me, but she's like, she asserts herself as the moral compass for the office and says, okay, be respectful because Michael's a sensitive artist. and wish you re- respect his feelings. And one of the other cast members who plays uh, Cherokee Jack, his name's Creed, he says, thanks, Mom. Just from the background, I love that. Just the thanks, mom. <laughs> As great. if to say, you know, I, I, who are you? You know, so we really love that part. I don't know if you had anything else to add for that, but no, not for that part. Um, so um, Michael talks. I guess he works with his girlfriend. Um, so his girlfriend Holly uh, is unaware that he actually made a movie, and he had been working on it for a long time. Uh, and I'm assuming they've been dating for a while because she acts like she should have known about this. Uh, film so they cut to them 
screening it in the conference room. And I think it's funny, one of the cast members, her name is, uh, I think she plays one of the ho hostages, but doesn't really have a speaking role, is named Phyllis. She brings in popcorn for everybody. <laughs> yeah, she, and it's like freshly popped bags from the <laughs> it's just Beverly, Which I thought was cute. I oh, really like that. I like that they're all getting together. And it, Once is, again, thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Different person, but still. <laughs> exactly. So I thought, I just thought that was lovely. I thought yeah. it was like, oh, she's bringing everybody popcorn. How sweet. You know, and they're, it's like a family getting together to watch watch a nice little movie on a you know Friday evening or whatever yeah Michael starts the movie there's some narration over it and one of the people in the office I guess his name is Stanley is the narrator he's got a great deep voice and he's talking about Skarn's life and how he is and this is really silly the production values on this you know are just laughable and it's so fun because they're not very high but again it's made with uh, a lot of love and a lot of care and a low also, budget during the voiceover there's a <laughs> It's going to zoom in on a house at the beginning, like it's his house, it's and it's a realtor's advertisement. You can briefly see the lady's head. See in the, the lady's head in the corner, and then they start panning across like his personal photos. Yeah, and, and there's Catherine. There's a rumor about that photo. Did you know the rumor about the photo? No. Is that that was his one of his ex girlfriends? That was. That was in. It's in the corner of that uh, photograph. Oh, okay. That's why he used that. Yeah. So I he, that's why he, he basically just used things around him. Yeah. So and, but then he like cut out Catherine's like, <laughs> and Jones's head. And put it on. <laughs> he put it on a photo. But it's like so obvious. It's, it's so not even obvious. Like it's not notice. even her. But he's married to not not a woman. Not Catherine Zeta Jones playing a person. He's actually married to Catherine Zeta Zones because he calls her Catherine Zeta Scarn. Scarn. <laughs> that was great. I liked it. So it was, we it learned. Touch. I, that is a great touch. Again, this is it's so genuine. This movie's so genuine. We're laughing with it and hopefully not at it. But Scarn is a retired secret agent. And uh, we see his exploits, and we also see that um, Catherine Zeta Scarn was uh, tragically murdered. Um, and we just see uh, mag magazine clippings and newspaper clippings of his exploits. From saving baseball, <laughs> saving baseball games, yeah. and, and that he retires to be a paper salesman. And he retired from the game to be a paper salesman. So we uh, cut into him, and we we see a butler played by uh, an office member, a member of his office where he works uh, by a guy named Dwight. Dwight, yeah. And I'm just gonna refer to him as the butler. Because okay. I don't know that they ever gave him a name, but he's the butler. He comes in. Michael Scarn's face down on the bed. Booze bottles, Booze bottles everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> it's really funny. Dwight talks about... Oh, I guess the butler's name was Samuel. Not that it matters. Oh, no, it's just, Samuel. Sorry, okay. I just... We've got an airing, as we always do. Yeah, and, and, yeah, like we do yeah. with all our films. So I guess his name is Samuel. I didn't catch that That's before. I didn't catch that before, but I'm, I'm going to just refer to him as a butler, if that's okay that's with fine. you. Yeah, butler's but the, it's funny. This is why I love this thing that cuts to the documentary. Dwight actually thinks that he's... The butler is a robot. Yeah. But according to Michael, who's the director and the actor of the film, he's not a robot. <laughs> so... Because he said he wanted his voice to be more robotic like this, but he Michael told uh, Dwight, and it was clear that he Michael didn't want him to be an android and, and didn't want to argue with him that yeah. he's a more sophisticated android and that he has the voice very indistinguishable from a real-life person. Yeah. And I love that it cuts to Michael. This is brilliantly edited, by the yeah. way. That it cuts to Michael saying that he's not a robot. He, Dwight does not play a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it's interesting to see Dwight's take on it. 
uh, basically, Dwight's telling him he he's in a he's got a mission <clears throat> um, ready from the president's president. On the, line. the president's on the line, so the president calls him personally. <laughs> he's laying there like passed out from booze, and he wakes him up with symbols. <laughs> he wakes him he's up like, with symbols. The president's on the line. <laughs> the president's on the line, and then he discusses it's about Golden Face, and then he says. Well, that makes it personal. I love that line. <laughs> like, Just like in every action movie, yeah. this time, it's personal. <laughs> That's great. So one of the cat. I should just stop saying this. Everybody in, in this office uh, in Scranton is in the movie. So there's a worker named Daryl. He plays the president. Yep. It's interesting to note that Daryl is black because it does come up. Yep. And does. <laughs> Sorry, what Daryl ends up saying about that's funny. But yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead. No, I, that's it. the next thing I was going to talk about. Okay, no, Daryl, he, yeah, because he, he is black, like Max said, and he has a daughter, and he said he wanted to play the president to show his daughter a black president. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, this was, I guess, obviously it took forever to be filmed, so it was before Obama got into <laughs> office. And then apparently during all the time it took it Michael took- to make this Obama's in office <laughs> Obama's in office so he just wasted a whole bunch of weekends he could have spent with his daughter yeah but he thought he was doing something so it's kind of sweet in a way it's sweet in a way but ultimately pointless <laughs> because funny. there was an actual black president uh, <laughs> so so anyway Scarn <laughs> has to stop the NHL all-star game from being blown up by our bad guy Golden Face which is a it's a it's in um, uh, homage to uh, James Bond and yep. Goldfinger and all that. Uh, or, or Golden Tooth. Oh, or Golden Tooth. Uh, from a previous episode. From a previous episode of ours. For viewers. <laughs> yeah, if you're paying attention, those playing at home. <laughs> so, and the president mentions that it's a part of his retirement plan, so he this one for the president is also personal, even though he doesn't say that. <laughs> um, so, what's interesting about this, and I, I want to ask your opinion uh, because I do think that there's artistic merit to this film, even though we're we're cracking up and sort of poking fun of it. He flips a coin, best of seven, to see if he'll do it. <laughs> best out of seven. I have a theory about this, and I want to see if you agree. I think the reason why, and they show all seven coin flips, because heads he'll do it, tails he won't. Yeah. I think the reason why he shows seven coin flips is because he's going to save the All-Star game. Now, the All-Star game does only has one game, but... When you get into NHL playoffs and the championship, those are best of seven games. I think that's what he was <laughs> oh, coming into. I, I, I call me crazy. So I feel like when it uh, zooms in on the coin, finally, when it's on his desk, it's a double-sided coin. <laughs> like it's a single-sided coin. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> I think he was lying the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he, they spend the time that's on funny. this, and yeah, because it's it's interesting. Right yeah, it's interesting to note that in the documentary side of this. Michael notices some disappointment disappointment from the audience about this scene because of it taking so long. But ultimately, uh, he looks like he's back in action, and he and he says the line, "Looks like there's going to be a cleanup on aisle five. <laughs> so the That's audience a good catchphrase at this point. Like <laughs> it's growing on me. So the audience claps, and we we get into the movie, and we meet up with um, Golden Face, Golden Face, played by an office member, Jim. And he's our bad guy, and he loves being bad. He's got the hostages all tied up with golden chains, which I love the gold motif throughout this. It's funny. His face is gold. He's got uh, gold on his face. I, he's supposed to be, like, in an accident, but yeah. he's got gold paint on his face. He's got a gold gun, gold <laughs> tie, gold handkerchief. Looks like a paint hover. <laughs> you like, what? Classy paint hover. <laughs> he does look like a paint. It's pretty bad. It's pretty uh, bad. Just the face. It looks like he's got, like, a, put a paper bag over his face, and yeah. it's like... 
But you're right, though. The attention to detail. He's got a big gold gun, of course. I like. But the he's got the gold tie and the gold. Uh, and they're tied thing. up with gold yeah. chains. Chains. Yeah, the, the attention hostages. to detail was pretty. Good. I I like that. There's a even if the strong, budget wasn't there. If the budget wasn't there, but this guy loves being bad, and he states he wants to kill Scarn and everybody pretty much, and he wants to dig up Scarn's wife and hump her, which I thought was very, very odd. Uh, Fifteen year old. <laughs> No, I mean, that just sounds like something like in middle school would say. Yeah, I don't really understand. But we get some insight into this as Jim, who plays Golden Face, says he doesn't like the dialogue. He didn't like the character. He just took the role to impress a receptionist who shall remain nameless. So I'm not sure who that's referring to. So I think I saw in the trivia that this was his wife, uh, Pam. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the girl that they called mom earlier. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's Because they've been sitting together during most of the Oh, so he's talking about the girl next to him. He's being coy. I get you. So we cut from that. And Scarn, we're back in the movie, and Scarn is learning how to play hockey, so he goes to find a teacher. Well, real quick, though, I love this driving scene. <laughs> okay. Him driving yeah, let's, his, so we get a driving the, scene. It's in the rain. He's in his car, and he's moving the steering wheel, and the wipers are going, but he's, like, literally just shaking the car around. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not driving. You, you, don't, just you don't see anything moving, but it sort of works. It sort and then of works. he just gets out of the car with the wipers <laughs> yeah. still going. <laughs> what, did he leave it running? He just left it running. So, but it, it kind of works for uh, me. I get it. It's, no, it's, it's, it's kind of very 1950s. You know what? They're not driving, but they're driving. It's <laughs> funny, but it doesn't take any budget to turn the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to turn the wipers off. Exactly. Anyway. So Skarn gets to the hockey rink where he needs to learn to play hockey because he's going to save the All-Star game. Right. And how's he going to do that? Well, he's going to infiltrate and be on the ice. So he needs a good teacher. So he finds a teacher named uh, Cherokee Jack, played by another office member, Creed. And we, not even we find out that he's not even Native American, by the way. He's not. He's just some white guy. He's just an old white guy. Uh, but we find that he's an unconventional hockey teacher in that he mops the ice a la Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. I love it, though. And it's, he a montage. Got, it's a montage. So he's like, you want to learn how to play hockey? You got to mop the ice. So then we get a nice little training montage with a funny change in tone. The movie completely changes tone because the music is like very upbeat. It's like sports montage, even though this is supposed to be like a spy movie. Well, and it cuts to Michael sitting there in real life watching the screening. And I just love it because he's sitting there bobbing his head to the music because he's like all into it. But he looks all serious. He's bobbing his head. Yeah, I'm into oh, it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, Michael is taking this role very seriously because Scarns is so great. He's just like so serious and so just like... Just like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm pumping iron. I'm getting ready for this challenge. So Skarn gets the sense that his unorthodox training, that he's not doing this for no reason at all. And as we see, like, uh, some very crude calendar pages fall, <laughs> denoting the passage of time. <laughs> from a Dave Barry from... <laughs> tarot calendar. <laughs> it's, it's pretty terrible. Oh, Michael's getting stronger, a la Rocky, and he's learning, but he's using the mop on the ice, and he's skating around, and it looks ridiculous. So uh, Cherokee Jack finally gives him a stick, and he's like, what am I supposed to do with this hockey <laughs> stick? And he's like... Mop the ice. So oh. now he gets great at hockey and becomes one of the best hockey players around from this unorthodox training, which I thought was absolutely awesome. Great. And he becomes like one of the hottest players in the country. As a part of 
entering. Uh, I, I forgot what this is for. It's, he's entering a, a competition, a speed skating competition. No, it's just for, to get into the National Hockey. That's League. right. It's to get. So to, they suddenly the last test to get into the National Hockey League is a speed skating competition, which is not for a some thing. reason. Yeah, which is hilarious, but I don't. Yeah, and, and anyway, so we've got three contestants, one being Scar and another one being a random person, yeah. and then somebody in a hockey mask. So, we have no idea what's going on. And I love this this thing, there's an office member in there, and I can't remember his name, but he's he's the guy stating the rules and firing the starter pistol to get the competition going on, and he says, on your mark, get set, and then the guy with the mask takes the mask off and says... Die! <laughs> and points a gun at And we Michael. find out that it's Golden Face. And the audience erupts with laughter because it's a really funny, fun moment. And they're, yeah, they're like skating like feet from each other. <laughs> Michael's got his two guns out again, and Golden Face has his one golden one. They're just black. <laughs> just black. And it's not like they're skating straight, like Michael's skating backwards. It is supposed to be a speed skating yeah. competition. And they're shooting at each other. It's, it's just great. wonderful. It's great. So well, they could like punch each other. They're so close. <laughs> they're punch each other so close. They're both dodging it. They're both like their guns are jamming. Uh, Goldface throws his gun, and he's like, "You missed. You tried." He's like, "You should have killed me." And he's like, "I wasn't trying to kill you. I was just trying to distract you." So Scarn loses the competition, which means he can't get in the NHL, which means he can't stop the All Star Game bomb explosion oh, thing no. that's gonna happen. So. Uh, the other racer, the third other racer, who we don't see through the whole race, by the way, um, wins the competition. <laughs> well, too quick. And then at a painful, very horrible moment, Skarn reminds, or, or Goldenface reminds Skarn that his wife is still dead. Because <laughs> he says, how's your wife doing? And Skarn, well, like, who bitterly, like, stares at the ground and grimaces. So, in a very awkward and very interesting scene, we get to see some death here of Skarn. Where he takes the American flag and rolls it up into like uh, a rope sort of thing and strangles the winner of the competition because Michael has to get in there to stop the NHL game. Yep. So he kills in there and kills this innocent person who with just was trying American to get flag. with the American flag, <laughs> and he bad. chokes and kills this guy. As the audience, as it cuts back, we see the audience from the the documentary. They're noticeably upset. Because obviously everybody in the in this office is in the audience, and it's a little off-putting. It's a little in poor taste. It's it's a, but the thing of it is is that we also see Michael crying in this and apologizing to the dead man, because he knows that greater lives are at stake or something like that. I don't know. Well, and the guy he just strangled blinks. So anyway, <laughs> all right, that's <laughs> in terrible movie fashion. Yeah, that's great. I just thought that was a very off-putting and weird scene to it throw was. in there. Yeah. So we cut back to the movie, and the butler intercepts a message about a villain that works for Golden Face. Uh, her name is Jasmine Winsong, and she's a jazz singer. The butler can't figure out uh, who Funky Cat is. He can't figure in the message who that is. So, so Skarn says the Funky Cat is not a who, it's a what. And it's the hippest jazz club in town. And for some reason, there's an awkward cut because Skarn spills a, a drink on the butler. Yeah. And the butler reacts, but it's cut short. And we're not really sure why. We find out, intercut back to the documentary, that he was like, what's the point of, you know, this is Dwight. 
He yeah. plays yeah. the butler. He's the butler. like, yeah. what's the point of him spilling the drink on me when I didn't malfunction? Yeah, he cut the scene where I malfunctioned. He or cut something. The, the scene with so there's so we get some insight. There's some deleted scenes and things left on the floor for this that should have been in the film that would have explained some things where. Uh, the butler had a malboard, uh, we'll motherboard malfunction. Yeah, <laughs> we'll wait, wait for the Blu-ray. This ain't coming out on Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, this is bootleg as it is. <laughs> um, so Scarn goes to the Funky Cat, the jazz club. And there he sees, uh, in the credits, it's a woman named Jan, apparently. Uh, we don't see her there at the screening. But she plays Jasmine Winsong, the jazz singer. And she's singing about herself. And then she starts singing in sort of backwards speak. Yeah, it sounds like like tongues or something. Yeah, and, and, and the funny thing is they try to interview Jan, and she's just got some like dry cleaning in her hand. Yeah. And she just says, oh, we finished this film? That's great. And seems completely disinterested. I'm not sure what that's about, but she, she really doesn't have much to say about it. But Scarn discovers something strange about the song that she's singing, because so, it sounds like gibberish. Apparently, and I thought this was kind of clever, he whips out a... Super genius. Yeah, he's a super genius, man. This Scarn, he's on it. He whips out a tape recorder and records the the song and then plays it backwards. Using the big backwards button. Using a big backwards button like that, that no recorder has. I like that. That was a good touch. Because <laughs> then I, I, as the audience member, knew what was going on. <laughs> Because I wouldn't have been able to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, you're pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> to I'm just joking. And to reveal a secret message about the hostages are underneath the stadium. Yeah. She was telling, for some reason, I, she works for Golden Face, but for whatever reason, she was singing about the hostages. I don't know. Maybe she felt guilty about it. We'll never know. It's not really explored or explained. But anyway, Jasmine is killed by a blow dart, which I thought was awesome, <laughs> from a henchman. Uh, I, I'm assuming it's a henchman. I, I, I mean, it's revealed that later that it is, but it's a, she's killed by that. And Scarn just looks over and says, "Check, please." Which I thought was awkward because what happened to clean up in aisle five? <laughs> that would have been a perfect time. Why not? But I mean, the check please is funny, but like, <laughs> I thought we established clean up in aisle five. Anyway, right. moving on. So he finds out where the hostages are, and Golden Face shows some awesome display of power. He, she shows these people that he means business, so he shoots one of the hostages. This guy's yeah, bad. That's pretty cool. He's bad news. <laughs> so he shoots a guy dead in the face. <laughs> Sorry. it's If you see it, it's it's pretty funny. That sounds bad that somebody's getting shot in the face, but it's pretty funny. So he shoots this guy. Well, it's low budget. Fun. It's very low budget. The random hostage is played by uh, one of the office members named Toby. And he's shot in the head, and it's, it's the most expensive shot in the film to note. And this is brought up in the documentary side. It's shot from several angles. I think even one part, it's in slow motion. And it looks incredibly like the actor. Yeah, like they had a real face made for it, it, A lot of movie, And the, for some reason, the mo it's the most expensive shot. And Michael uh, uh, says that it's integral to the story. Yeah. But I don't know that I buy so, that. Well, I read in like the trivia stuff that him and Toby, just uh, that guy, the actor, didn't get along at all. So really? I don't know if there was some friction, and that's why I, I don't know. But that's that's what I had heard. Okay, so that makes sense because he's just he's just a random guy. He doesn't have know, any kind of speaking him dialogue. Like a jerk though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the next scene kind of makes sense because Scarn and the butler come in and they find the hostages in Goldface, and the uh, Goldface says, "I killed one of your friends." And he says, well, the joke's on you. That man was a wanted animal rapist. What <laughs> I thought was Just like, animal how did rapist. you know that? <laughs> so what you said, the trivia you brought up, Dang. makes perfect sense. That's true, yeah. That he's a good animal rapist. Uh, that's pretty bad. That character was apparently a bad guy, according to Scarn. 
<laughs> so Goldface reveals that the bomb is in the hockey puck and he tosses it to Skarn. Which, again, this movie has some heart and it's thought into it. Um, because as uh, Goldenface is, and I think it's coming up here, we're screening it as we're talking it, Michael, or I'm sorry, not Michael, that's the actor, Skarn holds up the puck before he tosses, or after he tosses in the scuts, the puck, sorry, I can't talk today, Goldenface reveals that he wants Skarn to forgive him for murdering his wife. Yeah, yeah, gets a little depth to him. <laughs> so Goldenface isn't a bad guy after all, even though we just saw him shoot somebody in the face. <laughs> he wants to be forgiven. You know, I'm hot and cold, I don't know, do I like him or not? He's a complex bad guy. Hey, I, I didn't know Michael's wife. Maybe she was an animal rapist, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Her and the Toby character. Right? So, anyway. so Skarn, in a moment of true artistry, sees flashbacks in the reflections of the hockey puck, which I absolutely love. And it's interesting to note that Dwight in the background, I mean the butler in <laughs> yeah, the background, background, is moving his arms back and forth in a typical I'm a robot fashion. He has no dialogue, but he's he's like gyrating his arms as if he was a robot. He's not a good he's, actor. He's trying, to, he's trying to give us some hints there. Even though it's clear that, that he's not a robot, it, it, the, he's trying to suggest something in the back. There's, there's detail in this movie. It's got depth to it. But I love the flashbacks simply because... There are three different <laughs> flashbacks. No, they're great. One is Skarn blow-drying wet toenails of a woman, which I thought was sweet. Yeah. Another one is Skarn playing with animal crackers on a woman's stomach a la Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> from the movie Armageddon. Yeah, that's a good catch. And then another one is Skarn having a ketchup fight with a woman, <laughs> which I had to rewind a few times because I thought he was murdering somebody. Oh, my God. <laughs> and funny. I was like... Okay, that's interesting. You have two good memories and a weird memory, but it's it's a it's a fun memory. It's them having yeah, a catch-up fight. He's, he's fun. He's paternal and he's like caring and stuff, but he's sweet. I'm also. telling you, there's some there's some real artistry in this. I I, I find I he, found that sequence uh, rather touching. He definitely thought out some parts. Of he did. He did. Not every part, as we're talking about, but there is some good stuff in here. So Skarn refuses to forgive Golden Face. And he says, I think, one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Hey, Goldenface, go puck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, unlike Clean Up in Aisle 5, that one actually makes sense. Yeah. I, I really I really thought that one was well written. And um, it's really good. So, Goldenface attempts to shoot Skarn, but in an improvised move, I guess, we find out yeah. from the documentary, the butler jumps in front of the bullets. Right. Uh, and get shot. Yeah, that was he tells us that wasn't scripted. <laughs> that was not supposed to I'm happen. I'm not sure what that means, but okay. So Michael talks about that not being a script and does not appear happy about it. But I think he was maybe happy about it because he did leave it in the final cut. Yep. So the show it's, must it, go on. The show must go on. It's kind of weird. So Skarn is in the hospital because Goldenface actually does shoot him, even though he does shoot the butler as well. Yeah. So he like wakes up in the hospital. So we fade to black. He wakes up in the hospital. And we get an older, sexy nurse, and I kind of wanted to touch on this a little bit, standing over Skarn as he wakes up. I kind of want to touch on this because I learned that, just through some article I read, that sexy nurse is Michael's ex 
girlfriend in real life. So okay. it makes sense that she would be in the film. Yeah. But she's also Pam's mother who works with her. Gotcha. So, yeah, during the, the screening here, because Pam exclaims, like, oh, God, <laughs> like, at one point <laughs> when that comes up. So She, like, catches herself because yeah. she doesn't want to hurt Michael's feelings because he's very sensitive. Because they're trying to be nice about it. So she says, oh, God, <laughs> so good. But that was, I guess, what So it's clear she didn't know about that scene and why it was shot. That makes, that makes sense, yeah. But what I love about this is we get a sense of how tough Scarn is. He got shot in the brain, lungs, heart, back, and balls. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw that in there, you know? <laughs> he just... What a man. He, 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 hey, he's a tough one, man. He's, he's diehard, you might say. <laughs> and it's revealed that... Uh, so after this, we get a little scene, and it's suggested because the heart monitor... The beeping quick quickens that the he and the nurse are getting a little busy. So anyway, we end up back at the White House, and Scarn and the butler explain to the president that the uh, bomb is in the puck. So he gives that new information to it. We also it gets revealed in a surprise twist: the president is working with Golden Face. Yeah, because he gets Golden Face coming in. He says, "Is that where you hit the?" Yeah, bomb? and he's got his little tiny henchman in tow. Yeah, the guy that shot the dart and the yeah, jazz the, singer. Earlier. Yeah, the blow dart henchman. Yeah. I like him. He's a little creepy. Uh, <laughs> president. So the, pres- the it's revealed that the president's going to blow up the stadium for the insurance money. Scarn disapproves of this, obviously. As you would. And I think, again, this is another great touch. He's in the Oval Office. He picks up a picture of Lincoln yep. and smashes it over the head of a president who happens to be uh, black. And I think there's there's some symbolism and there's, some, there's a message in there that Scarn disapproves that he has taken for granted everything this great country has done for him to be president. Wow, you read into that a lot. I was just, I couldn't get over laughing about how (laughs) the guy, the president, leans into the picture. (laughs) The acting was awesome in that scene. You you, you just judge this. There's a lot of good artistry in this. There's a lot of depth and symbolism in this movie. You know, I've watched it a couple times. Michael's trying to say, hey, you know, Lincoln freed the slaves, not for you to make fun of him, but for you to 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 take the office of president seriously. No, I th- I think you're absolutely right. I just didn't catch it. I'm a little. Dense. I don't know. I could be reading the things. So Scarn and the butler managed to get away, and now Scarn is now a wanted man, uh, obviously, because he just attacked the president of the United States. So Scarn is in the rain. And uh, it's we get sort of a little kind of film noir. I like this. Yeah, I noted noir style soliloquy with him on the street going into a bar. This movie crosses a bunch of genres. You see his love for films in general because he crosses the sports genre, like the the agent agent uh, genre, like the secret agent genre, and now film noir. Yeah. And so he walks into this bar, and everyone shouts "Mike!" a la cheers. Which I thought was great. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a nice little reference and a nice little nod. And then Billy, who's the bartender played by uh, Andy in his office, is a wise-talking bartender. Now, I like this wise-talking bartender. I don't know about <laughs> you. He really did He really did something for me. A little over me. the top for me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I, I didn't I like liked it. it. It's a little cheesy. It's a little yeah. cheesy, but I liked it. A little cheesy. So, um, so he's, the bartender's complaining that the TV doesn't work, and he's got all sorts of problems. And he asks, Billy asks Skarn, uh, what's the wor- what's worse than that, than a TV not working so you can't get the game on? And Skarn explains uh, Gold Face- Gold- Golden Face's plan 
to blow up the NHL All-Star game. And he says, wow, you got a lot of problems. <laughs> so to cheer him up, he gives him a drink from a wild bachelorette party. And I can't really remember what the girl says when he turns around to say thank you for the drink. Do you remember what's said? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, she gave a pretty corny line. I don't know what that accent was, but she says something about, you ever banged an entire bachelorette party, baby? <laughs> it was so, just delivered so stupid. <laughs> I loved it. So that's supposed to cheer Skarn up. Yeah. Uh, and we cut to, I in the credits, that person uh, credited as Karen. So yeah. we go to Karen they ask her about that, and she says, I don't know why I'm being singled out. <laughs> why are you singling my line? <laughs> For that risque line of dialogue. And apparently, according to the trivia, because I guess there's other documentaries based uh, uh, around this film and, and yeah. these people. I guess that's the last time we see that character. Yes. Or that we see that person, I'm sorry. Yeah. In, this, in any of these. That's Yeah, apparently she used to work in the office with him. That's why she was a cast member. Yeah, and then she actually the... hadn't worked there for a little while. And so this was just the last time. Anyway. So yeah. it was funny that she just... Yeah. That was her last sighting on this. Yeah. <laughs> she gets asked about thing. that terrible <laughs> line. It's <laughs> <That was> <laughs> like, why are you uh, singling me out? Because it is a pretty terrible line. Yeah, but that doesn't cheer uh, Scarn up. No. So in a final attempt to cheer him up, Billy the bartender... Uh, gives a kid a quarter, just a random kid in a bar with overalls on, which I, I thought that. was, uh, well, I don't know. A little if I like that. country kid. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. He just wanders into the bar on a rainy night and gives him a quarter and says, hey, play G9 on the jukebox. Now, is there any significance of G9? Because I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything. I'm not aware of any. I'm not aware of any. Maybe no. it's just me. I'm reading into things. This movie just kind of makes you think. I wish what he should have done. He should have flicked the, the quarter at the jukebox and it should have just gone straight in and started playing the song. <laughs> like Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Oh, I would have loved that. That would have been much better. Oh, I would have loved uh, that. I that would have been much better. The, the random little country kid bumpkin out of the corner of the bar is kind of funny and everything, but I think it would have been better. If they, anyway. All right, yeah, look. especially if you like flipped it over his shoulder or something. Yeah. That would have been cool. No, no that's actually better. That would have been you fun. Should write, you should write for this movie. Anyway, so Scarn... Uh, Here's the music, and he's like, I, I don't want to do this. But apparently he's going to do something called the Scarn Dance, or the Scarn. Yeah, he says people need to learn how to do the Scarn. Yeah, so that's what the bartender says. But he hasn't done it out of, you know, in years out of grief for the loss of his wife. Um, so now he breaks out into dance uh, in this bar, and everybody just sort of chimes in. They can't help themselves. He, this guy's just too charismatic. Well, I mean, it's it kind of you were talking about different film genres. It almost goes into musical here suddenly. Oh yeah, you're right. It like yeah. just freaking breaks into a musical. Everybody in the bar stands up, and they all, for some reason, know how to do the scar. Yeah, this dance he's doing. And it, <laughs> and, the, and it's the a terrible song. Terrible. It's a terrible dance. It's a terrible scar. Now this is what happens, and it kind of breaks the um, uh, documentary up here. But the screening stops due to uh, a lot of laughter that's happening in the. Yeah, in the screen in, room. In the screening room. room. Jim, who who's pretty much starts the laughing, uh, explains that he's just so relieved that Skarn has got his confidence back. But I don't buy that explanation from Jim. It seems real insincere that he's well, just trying to cover it up yeah. and he's trying to spare Michael's feelings. But they, the scene is hilarious. They, <laughs> the scene is, is pretty terrible, actually. It, that would be hard it doesn't fit anything. Lie. So the cast, you know, everybody in this office... Um, who's watching the screening, try to convince Michael that it's a great movie and that we really like it. And he leans over to ask his girlfriend, Holly, who's screening the film, who doesn't know anything about it. She's seeing it for the first time. She yeah. wasn't involved with the filming. 
and he says, what did you think about the film? And she sort of hesitates and sort of shrugs, and that irritates Michael. And <laughs> she says, which part? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, wait, what is that? <laughs> this irritates Michael, and it leads uh, to... Yeah, that was um, kind of cruel. <laughs> it was way harsh. Even if you don't like it, you'd you be nice to, you, to your uh, partner, to yeah, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Yeah, well, <laughs> she's just being honest. She was just being honest about it. But uh, So the screening stops, uh, but the documentary still keeps going because we're catching some very candid moments from our um, cast and crew here. Yeah, they've got like a documentary film crew for this thing, it yeah, looks like. So it's, it's pretty them. cool the way they did this. I guess this thing. is not the only documentary. I haven't seen the other ones, but uh, I'm interested now, after seeing this one, to watch the other ones separate from the movie so it's not intercut with this movie yeah while it's on so it seems like these people are pretty interesting yeah outside of this but uh, anyway so uh, Michael and Holly get into uh, a fight or yeah they basically a little, argument, yeah. a little argument here not a fight you know what I mean like an argument yeah yeah with, with, with them and they, they're just going back and forth and Holly just mentions that Michael never mentioned this dream of his because all of a sudden I think his ego's sort of taking over, and it's it's funny that we mentioned Tommy Wiseau because his ego's sort of taking over here, and it's just all of a sudden this is his dream. This yeah. is the only thing that matters. Oh, he's taking it way too seriously. He's taking it way too and seriously. And now he's getting his feelings hurt. Because to be honest, this movie is not that great. I enjoy watching it. No, I, I love it. It's fun. I mean, it's definitely our kind of movie, like you said. Yeah. But he is like he's all serious about it. And yeah. It's like come on, man. Like because the, the people aren't laughing like at you. Yeah. Like, they're laughing. For you, I don't know how to say uh, well, that. Well, it's not with him because he's he doesn't think it's he's funny. Not laughing. That's what I mean. Yeah, they're laughing like for you. Like what you made, what you made is an an enjoyable movie. Right. It's so entertaining. Just, like, embrace it. You know? Yeah, you should so, just embrace yeah. it. Embrace it if I could speak. I totally agree with you. It's funny. This is kind of gives an insight that Holly is like shedding a light on Michael and what he's really like because it seems like they've dated for a while. I don't know. But it seems like they did it for a while, and he, she just like, you've never talked about this dream, and all of a sudden, it's like, you're nothing without this dream? Yeah. You know, she's really taken aback, and she's really surprised by that. And yeah, she's also I, surprised that he says, I have nothing without this. Yeah, because she feels insulted now. Well, anybody would feel yeah, insulted. I mean, that's insulting yeah. to say that. Now, one, so, th one thing I did like about their, their little exchange, though, is he, he was telling her, you know, it's... He tries to explain the making the movie to her, now it's a dream, but he said... You made a crack about this isn't Ocean's Eleven. This is not just a group of friends not caring about what they make. I was like, oh, jeez, dude. <laughs> that was pretty harsh, man. Yeah, way harsh. It's not like he's like George Clooney or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Anyway, sorry. That was well, just, I think that goes along with the ego you were talking no, about. No, exactly. And that's, I, that's why I wanted to point No, that was perfect. I'm so glad you brought that up because it leads into my next point. She says... I'm real, you know, I'm not a dream. And Michael's reaction, which was very childish, says, a real pain in the ass. I know, that was me. And I was like, wow, she's really, like, trying to come to terms with this and trying to explain to you that... She was just confused. She's confused. She didn't mean to hurt your feelings. She right. was being genuine. And, he, you know, she's just trying to explain, I think you're overreacting and taking this a little bit too seriously. You should just have fun with this film that you've made. Yeah. Even though that you have worked hard on it, it did take you over a decade, whether it was 10 or 11 years, <laughs> you know. Um, but just to calm down. Yeah. So they basically part, and Michael's not all a bad guy. No, because he apologizes. I think he realizes pretty quick what he said. Yeah. <laughs> so he and apologizes he, pretty quick. <laughs> he he says he says I was just angry and I love you and he they kind of walk, walk away and she says I love you too, which I thought was sweet. Um, I really like that part of it. But um, Michael says he's gonna continue the to screen the film, but he talks about 
uh, Woody Allen I and how he's okay. So you want to talk about this? Go ahead and get I, into it. I like it because I love so it too. It's a very genuine scene. We get to see Michael talking to the camera here, and he tells us that he's a huge Woody Allen fan, <laughs> right? And he says, though he's only seen ants. And then he says he respects that Woody didn't listen to when people said it was just a ripoff <laughs> of Bugs Life, even though Bugs Life was a much better <laughs> film. And he says, but the point is, don't listen to your critics, listen to your fans. <laughs> right. Okay, so what I don't understand about this is that he yeah. says, he's. it seems like he, he, he does a lot of um, homages and a lot of, you know, things in, in reference to other films. But it seems like he knows a lot, but doesn't know a lot. Woody Allen has made films in almost every genre. Every genre. And uh, Ants is the only one you've ever seen. He's made dramas. He's made comedies. He's made, I believe, a sci-fi film. Yeah. He's made... I've seen a ton of Woody Allen stuff. I'm a Woody, Woody Allen stuff. I'm a big Woody Allen fan. And it's funny that he talks about him and Jesus. says he's a big fan and chooses... Ants. <laughs> Even so though, random. But then he just says it was a ripoff of Bugs Life. It's just a ripoff. And then he says the Bugs Life was better. Yeah, yeah so is he so really? So the whole point? I don't know. That statement. Is he really a big nothing. fan? I don't know. See, this documentary is just really it's fascinating. Little, it's great. It's fascinating. The guy he, is out there, man. He's real out there. He's kind of a Tommy Wiseau of his own. A you know, bit. It's kind of crazy. So um, it, the documentary picks back up and says, uh, don't listen to critics, listen to your fans. And the screening resumes without his girlfriend, Holly. Yeah, he just calls everybody back into the conference room, and we get to resume the screen. Absolutely. Yep. So Skarn is at the game, and he's trying to stop the bomb from exploding. And we learn from the butler that Cherokee Jack is dead, and we have a real emotional beat when Skarn dedicates his game to Cherokee uh, Jack. Yep, he starts crying. He's just <laughs> for you, Cherokee Jack. And Skarn hits the ice with purpose. Now, it cuts back to the documentary, and Michael glances at the empty seat next to him where Holly was sitting. And you can see a real turn in Michael's attitude. Yeah. Something's happened. Something's really reached Yeah, you can him. tell he's not all bad. I mean, he's he, not a bad guy. He comes across as a jerk and stuff at yeah. points, but he, he yeah. he's real. Yeah, so he you <laughs> kind of get a sense that he misses Holly and that this movie isn't as important as what he thought it was. Like yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not as important. I think important it's dawning as it. on, what yeah. on him what he said. And this happens during the screening. He, he was completely silent during most of the screening, but all of a sudden he starts talking. Yeah. And he says, this scene was filmed during a high school hockey game, and the team was disqualified because Mike Michael Ascarn enters the ice during an actual hockey game, which I thought was bold. That's messed up. That's really bold. That's and up, he man. goes on to state that it was really screwed up. Like, he admits to himself, I think he's coming to terms as to what this film is. And he said it was really screwed up because the team was trying to qualify for state and they had an undefeated season. That's pretty screwed up. Yeah, and he, he admits that, no, it was pretty bad because they had an undefeated season. Yeah. And that's why there were so many people there during the screening. They weren't even extras. <laughs> no. He not just hijacked a real He just hijacked game. a really... Uh, so he gets up, Michael gets up and he leaves the screening. It's kind of funny, during this moment, they don't show this during the documentary, but Golden Face is talking, I believe, to one of the hostages. I believe it's played by the, the woman, Pam. Yeah. Um, and what happened to him to make... What happened to him? And he got into some sort of smolting... Smolting? What's it called? Smolting? Smelting. Smelting. Thank you. Couldn't think of the... Smelting accident, and that's why he he's all gold. Uh, that's in the film. If you want to see the film, that's in the film. 
But really, it's focusing on the documentary at this point because it's a really touching moment because Michael gets up and realizes that his girlfriend is real and is more important than this than this movie and that the movie isn't that good. Like, he enjoyed it. <laughs> it really mean, meant something to him. Yeah. Uh, he starts to relax. And for the people in the audience, too. Yeah. So he starts to relax and he makes up with his girlfriend, which is a really touching moment. And they both go back to the screen. Well, because she ends up trying to console him by saying it's good, and he just says, no, it's not. Come on in, let's watch. <laughs> so <laughs> he, I think he, he's coming to he's terms good. with it. Yeah. So we cut back to the actual movie, and the score is tied at 4-4 four to four with a minute 24. Don't know what that means, but there's just a limited time left with, with uh, the game. In the game. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. So Golden Face leaves the hockey stadium, and all of a sudden we get... Cherokee Jack in ghost form. Ooh. Ooh, he comes back to give some words of wisdom for Skarn. And he says, take out all, basically says, take out all your frustrations on the puck. Yep. So, <clears throat> that's what he does. And so, Skarn shoots the puck completely out of the hockey stadium in a glorious bit of cheesy effects. Oh, that's great. I love it. During this, the, the puck's flying out, the butler... Well, but real quick, just yeah, back, back at the screening, they've cut back a couple times to just show the audience's reaction to this. And we oh, finally yeah, see right. Michael Michael Scott, the real guy. He's yeah. actually laughing at it. He's getting into it. He's getting on, in on the joke. So he starts so, laughing and clapping. He's like a better version of Tommy Wiseau in that he knows, he finally realizes what this is. Joke. He's all in on the joke. Yeah. And Michael's kind of a good guy. I really like that he's come around for this. It's kind of like a movie in and of itself, the little documentary. Yeah, definitely. Um, where he comes around to this. Well so, yeah, yeah I, I just, I think that he has sort of an arc. It's weird. The documentary, yeah. even though it was just meant to, meant to show this little screening, he has a kind of his own arc in, in real life. Yeah. So I, I thought that was wonderful. No, right. So yeah. the butler saves the hostages. And I did, I, I did note here that I didn't notice before. I mentioned it earlier, but they all have gold chains. And I thought that was a really... I mentioned it before, but it was a nice attention to detail. I yeah, only yeah. noticed it at this point. Um, but it's also interesting to note, note that the hockey puck goes up into space, all the way into space, and hits a satellite dish. Back in the bar with Billy, the TV uh, starts working again. It and they pick up reception suddenly. It gets reception. <laughs> and it's a and he's like, game. hey, the TV's working, but it's guys. A oh, like a, Billy the bartender is so happy about this. And we cut back to Earth, and Goldenface is uh, counting money with his gold gun on a briefcase just full of money. And he's just sitting in the lawn. <laughs> he's just, it looks like he's sitting in somebody's front lawn, or maybe maybe they're at that office. Maybe, I don't know. He's, it looks like he's, like he's sitting in somebody's lawn. He's just in a lawn chair, <laughs> like a deck chair or whatever. And he's counting his money, and the puck lands on Goldenface's lap. And he explodes. Oh, yeah. Classic bad guy movie thwarting action. It's really great. I kind of love it. Yeah, so the, the golden face is dead. Skarn wins the game, gets a trophy, holds it over his head. So we're getting the end to all these different movies that he started. Like yeah. the sports movie, the yeah. spy movie, the film noir. So the, we're wrapping up all the endings. So he saves the day, wins the game, and fixes the TV bar all in all at once. So we're getting, all the storylines are, are finishing up. Yeah, they're all coming they're together. They're all finishing up. So Skarn comes in, and we're at the end of the movie, and he makes himself some breakfast. But also, in a big reveal and twist, are you guys ready for this? He makes breakfast for his robot in the form of some oil can. The butler was a robot. And I just love, too, it's like a motherboard. Like, not even, like, <laughs> there's nothing on it from, like, a desktop computer. And it's just, like, taped to his back. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. So, uh, it, we get some comments from Skarn about how he loves being retired. 
And then the phone rings, and it's a call from the president. Oh, he's got another mission. Skarn hesitates for a while. This is a weird little moment there, but he says, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so, and pretty much that's the end of the film. We get some credits after that, but Andy, who plays uh, the Billy the bartender, yeah. comments that, isn't the president evil? And he turns around during the screening, and Michael laughs and says, oh yeah, he is. So Michael finally has really accepted it. He's been laughing this whole time. Dwight, who works with him, tries to make an excuse for yeah, him and to spare his yeah. feelings. But he says, no, it's just stupid. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But this movie's not quite done. I know I said it was done. It's not quite done. And another twist, the narrator, yeah, who was narrated by yeah. Stanley, who's an office member or member of this office, the narrator is actually Skarn, only yeah. much older. Yeah, he's like retelling his story. <laughs> Like as an old man. As an old I, man. I like that actually. I thought yeah, that was cool. I thought that was great. So everybody claps at the end of it, and we get a nice little title screen for the end of the yep. movie. And the movie ends with a, with a titular rap song, Threat Level Midnight. Peter, what do you think about this uh, ending song? We get like a montage <laughs> of the film. Oh, that's at pretty the end. terrible. <laughs> I mean, the song's funny. So it's kind of like it's like some songs we've seen in other things, like where like we just recently talked about terror vision with the which i don't know if that'll have been put out by the time this does but it's got its it's got its own you know custom made song for it as some movies in the 80s do and i thought it fit pretty well for just being corny so peter what did you think about the movie and this documentary and how it was intertwined i thought it was pretty well done i mean for how terrible it is but just for being like a short thing made by a guy in an office i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was fun i mean there's a lot to pick apart about it, but that's what makes it fun sort of like the room or like troll 2 or something like you mentioned before so it's in the same vein i think yeah i'd highly recommend watching it if you like that so i think it's i think if you enjoy behind the scenes stuff um yeah, as well as cheese added definitely yeah, the, yeah. yeah it did add to the movie because it is a short film um i like the behind the scenes stuff and how it was edited this again this was a project i can't remember i gotta look up and i, I apologize who who put this together but anyway he, it was a like basically an editing project and yeah. i love that he put in the movie with the with the the actual film with the documentary to kind of splice it as just a project, but it work, it flows pretty well and it only takes about I think it's all together it's, it's less than a half hour. Yeah, it's like twenty two minutes or something. Yeah, that's like pretty a short. TV episode or something. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So if you want to check that out, I definitely recommend checking that out. Definitely. Yeah. I had a good time talking about this one. Thanks for the recommendation, Peter. This was Peter's oh, recommendation, yeah. even and though I took I point on. I do believe it. just for you guys out there, if you want to watch this, I'm pretty sure this is streaming on Netflix. At yeah, the moment, it should so be on Netflix. You should be able to approach um, it pretty easily. Yeah, you should be able to find it. It should be under threat level midnight or something like that just but, if you can't find it like google it i'm sure you'll find i'm something sure you'll find it. something yeah. about it it's pretty common yep yep well i don't have anything else peter do you have anything else no i'm good all right thanks guys for listening all right see ya bye paper dunder mifflin threat level midnight makes all the girlies feel all right from madonna to madeline all bright threat level midnight it's a threat a level a level level threat he's the greatest hockey star i ever seen yet threat level what midnight threat level who michael's gone threat level what apartheid gotta fight it free mandela peace i 